If you'll forgive me, I just feel like I have to kind of nerd out on the translation for today in this parable that we all know pretty well, the parable of the unforgiving servants. When I start nerd out, it's like sometimes, you know, the translation into the English is okay from the Greek, but they don't even manage to get close today. And here's where I mean this. So when it says a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount, like when I think huge, I think like, you know, a semi-truck, an elephant, you know, something that's pretty darn big. And then when we hear that the servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. I'm thinking like a Volkswagen Jetta or a mouse, right? Like comparing something that's huge, pretty darn big, to something much smaller, it's like you're still kind of in the same category. Well, literally, the huge amount was a myriad, which is 10,000, and 10,000 talents, okay? So this debtor owed his master 10,000 talents. The much smaller amount that he was owed was 100 denarii. And a denarii, one denarii, is basically a day's wage. So the other guy owed him 100 days wages, like three months salary, right? Nothing to just like blink at. I mean, it's, that's a good amount. But one talent is worth 6,000 denarii. And he owed his master 10,000 talents, which if I did my math right, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm no math major, that is 60 million denarii. And I don't know about you, I mean, I don't think I'm going to be able to work 60 million months, yeah, months, right? A day, or a day, 60 million days. I mean, it's insane. It's like astronomically different. Not huge versus small, but like we're in totally different categories. And so getting into this in the first place and realizing like just how big the stakes are that we're talking about, right? Not just huge and small, but 60 million versus 100. There's a big difference there. Even me and my not so great with math knows that fact, okay? So you're starting out there, and then we get the strength of the way that Jesus ends this gospel. So will my heavenly Father do to you, unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. There's not really a way to soften that. That is some really strong language. We have to forgive. And it goes right along with the commandments that we have to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. To be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. And then finally it applies today, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. The fact of the matter is we're created in the image and likeness of God and he wants us to imitate him. He wants to imitate him in his radical generosity, in his 60 million uh, denarii giving you know, mercy, his strength in that. And yet, reading those last words, as someone who has obviously, I think throughout my life, offended some people, who has been offended personally, and I'll say this too, has been offended on behalf of others, right? I think sometimes it's harder to forgive the person that hurt a loved one more so than it is yourself, right? That person that was a jerk to my mom, it's a lot harder to let that go than it is the guy that was a jerk to me. You know, like it's, it's one of those things where getting into this is very hard. And I'll be honest with you, I've been wrestling with this all week long because obviously we're talking about the stakes being very high. Our Lord is not messing around in the way he says this at the end today. 
And so what I wanted to do today, I'm going to read you two paragraphs from the Catechism that really deal with this very directly, and there's two lines in particular that I think are worth meditating on the rest of the week. Now, the section I'm taking this from is from the last part of the Catechism on Christian prayer, and there's this long section that breaks down the Our Father and really goes into some meditation on the Our Father. And the section I'm taking this from, it's paragraphs 2843 and 2844. And it comes from the little part that is reflecting on the part of the Our Father that says, as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is 2843. The Lord's words on forgiveness, the love that loves to the end, become a living reality, a living reality. The parable of the merciless servant which we just had today, which crowns the Lord's teaching on ecclesial communion, ends with these words. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It is there, in fact, in the depths of the heart that everything is bound and loosed. It is not in our power not to feel or to forget an offense. I'll just say that again. It is not in our power not to feel or to forget an offense. But the heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit turns injury into compassion and purifies the memory and transforming the hurts into intercession. I just want to point that out again because I think this is one of the most freeing lines when it comes to working through forgiveness. It's not in our power not to feel. So basically, the church is telling us, look, you have to forgive. But you don't have to pretend that your feelings aren't hurt. Like, we're not in control of our feelings, right? Like, you get your feelings hurt, you can't just say, get happy, me. You know, like, I, and, and also, it doesn't mean that when you're forgiving someone, it's just all like, well, I got to think he's a nice guy. No, he's a scoundrel, he's terrible, you know, but... I can't do what Sirach warns me against in the first reading. Wrath and anger are hateful things, yet the sinner hugs them tight. Our Lord doesn't want us hugging tight sin and anger. He wants us to hand it over to him. And the act of doing that, I know it's not easy. But it's so much like love. You know, love is not just feelings, right? I mean, anybody who's been married for any time at all knows that some days you're feeling great about your spouse. Some days, eh, you can take them or leave them, you know? Like, I get it. I know it happens. How do I know? I've been hearing confessions for 13 years, right? Like, I know that it's not like wonderful feelings every day. I mean, I wish I had wonderful feelings every day about just being a priest and everybody I get to see. But sometimes I don't. But that doesn't mean that like I've treated them terribly because my feelings have tanked. No. And it's the same thing for someone who has hurt you. You don't have to just think nice things about them. But you can't grab wrath and anger and hold them tight. It also says it's not in our power to just forget an offense. And you don't have to. It's a silly example. It's one I used at school a while back on this very gospel. Um, You don't have to forget what happened. You learn from what happened and you treat it again. 
So you remember our dear friend, Father Rossi. I told the kids, imagine, and thank God this didn't actually happen, though I could see it happening, that I loan Father Rossi my car, right? Because he needs to go somewhere. It's fine, he's my friend, I'm going to do that. And Father Rossi decides, you know, I'm going to help him out. So instead of filling the car with gas, he's like, you know what would be better? I'm going to fill it with honey, because honey is such a wonderful thing. And of course, it breaks my car down. Now, I don't have to loan him my car again, right? But I can't hold anger and wrath close. I can't be like, that darn Father Rossi, never talking to him again. No. But the next time he goes, Johnny, can I borrow your car? I can say, no. Why? Because I didn't forget the offense. I've learned. I'm moving on. We learn things. Our actions affect what goes on in the future. But nevertheless, we don't hold on to this forever. We do what the catechism says here next. The heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit turns injury into compassion. I start thinking, oh, poor Father Rossi. He doesn't understand auto mechanics and whatever else. I'm going to try to help with that. It purifies the memory in transforming the hurt into intercession. Let him learn how to take care of cars, you know? Now, granted, it's a silly example, but I think sometimes those can help the most. We don't hold on to things. We hand them over to the one who can actually make things better rather than me living in this perpetual state of torturing the one who hurt me and in turn torturing myself. As they say, holding on to a grudge is like taking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. Okay, paragraph 2844, which I think takes us to the great power of what's going on in this gospel. Christian prayer extends to the forgiveness of enemies, transfiguring the disciple by configuring him to his master. Forgiveness is a high point of Christian prayer. Only hearts attuned to God's compassion can receive the gift of prayer. Forgiveness also bears witness that in our world, love is stronger than sin. Just repeat that one more time. Love is stronger than sin. The martyrs of yesterday and today bear this witness to Jesus. Forgiveness is the fundamental condition of the reconciliation of the children of God with their Father and of men with one another. I think that little hidden line in 2844 is worth the price of the whole book. Love is stronger than sin. What does that mean? It means that those nailing Jesus to the cross are not ultimately the ones in control here. It's him who doesn't go into hatred but says, Father, forgive them they not know not what they do. It means that blessed Miguel Pro, you know, a hundred years ago in Mexico, can extend his arms as the firing squad executes him and he says, Viva Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King. Not Christ the King, knock him down, but all glory to you. It means that saints perpetual in felicity as they're led out to the lions by the Roman centurions, one of them being pregnant, go out there singing hymns and praying for the conversion of the Roman centurions. They don't have power over perpetual and felicity. Perpetual and felicity are not overcome by hatred. Love is stronger than sin. Our Lord shows us how to do this. From the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. What does that mean? Hurt people hurt people, right? And they don't understand the full extent of their actions. None of us do. When I'm in a grumpy mood and I yell at Luke in the morning because he didn't make the coffee right, right? Like, okay, it has nothing to do with Luke. It's because I'm grumpy and I've had a bad day. But he's like, now he's down. I don't understand how that's going to affect him, right? 
But at the same time, I may do that not knowing the full extent of my actions. In the same way that I can say, buddy, I'm sorry, I was grumpy that morning, I didn't mean to do it. Okay, we all go through those things. We are all limited in our intellects. Ultimately, sin that we fall into, it's not as strong as the love that our Lord has for us. And the great glory for us, and I think sometimes the danger in our faith, right? Every Catholic church you go into, it has the symbol of this, Christ on the cross, who says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And it's one of those things, it's like 60 million denarii right there, that is this astronomical sum, and we just kind of look at it, it's like, yeah, that's right, and we just kind of move on. This is deep stuff, and the consequences are eternal. And just like love is not a mere feeling, neither is forgiveness. Love is a choice. You keep showing up even when the feelings aren't there. My friends, forgiveness is the same way. It's a continual choice and one that's not easy, one that is difficult, one that we have to keep working at all the time. But once again, here comes the glory. Love is greater than sin. Our Lord knows how difficult this is. That's why. He gives us himself in the Blessed Sacrament. And think about the words of consecration. This is the chalice of my blood, which will be poured out for you and for many, for what? For the forgiveness of sins. We take him into ourself, that we can actually live out his commandments, to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, to be holy as your heavenly Father is holy, and here's the kicker, to be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Is it difficult? Of course. But to become a saint means living out heroic, Christ-like virtue. Love is a living reality. This is not easy stuff. But if we're going to live out that love that is stronger than sin, we've got to cling to the one who shows us how to do it, who shows us that it is possible, not by our own merits, but by his pardon holding on to him with all of his help and realizing that we can get out from underneath the torture of holding wrath and sin close. My friends, I am so blessed to get to be in the confessional often. You know, for 13 years I've been hearing confession, and this is the glory. All that mercy from God just continues to pour out all of the time. Keep it coming. Keep going. Keep asking him for help because I know it is not easy to forgive but thanks be to God, with his help, with the blood that he pours out for our sake, my friends, that forgiveness is very much possible. Praise be Jesus Christ.